0: This is Brian Croft. Welcome to Practical Shepherding Podcast, known as Trench Talk. And I am joined in studio, if you will, by Jim Sebastio, Pastor Jim Sebastio, who's a dear friend of mine. He is the pastor of the Reformed Baptist Church of Louisville, here in Louisville, Kentucky. He has been for the last 25 years as he planted this church and has watched it uh, grow and mature over the decades. Um, He's married to Becky and they have four kids. But probably, Jim, the most distinguished role that I know you play is the role, the role of chairman of the board for practical shepherding. So Mr. President himself is here. Jim, the question I know everybody that's on everybody's mind who's listening as they hear that I'm talking to you is, what is it like to be the president of such a stellar organization as practical shepherding?
1: Well, Brian, as I shared with you earlier, uh, the hardest thing is really trying to separate my own identity as a man <laughs> from being the president of practical shepherding. And um my own wife and kids uh call me president. They president often, or, or Mr. President. Mr President. All right, okay. Sorry, Mr President. Well often when I wake in the morning we'll uh play hail to the chief, which is really kind of exciting as well. Um <laughs> You know, again, I just have to remember because I know you know the day will come, sadly, when 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 it's going to end, and I'll have to go back to my life in the um, the ecclesiastical gutter. After all, that's <laughs> over with.
0: At least you have being a pastor to fall back on, and so yeah. your identity won't be so crushed. That's that that's, you can no longer go on.
1: I, I, I hope I hope that's the case. Well, but, you know, but like. You know, former presidents of the <laughs> United States, or they continue to be called Mr. President. I'm, I'm hopeful I'll be remembered when there's a new president inaugurated for uh, practically. I do I don't, Shepherd, I don't know, you know
0: how that. what else to call you, so I, I should refer to you the rest of my life that way. Well, lest our listeners do not pick up on the sarcasm, I want to, I want to segue kind of just to just some general thoughts that I have you here. Jim is, is a dear friend of mine. Jim is one of my teachers and. Um, I have benefited from Jim's wisdom as a pastor. He's truly a a shepherd and understands that. And so I wanted to ask some questions of Jim uh, for your benefit as the listener and hoping you can benefit from him in similar ways uh, that I have. And our hope is that Jim and I are going to do more podcasts together uh, and talking about some different uh, issues to bring to the table his insights, um, not just things that I may share. So Jim, I want to start with um, just your, your calling in the ministry. Um, how did you sort through that calling? What was going on? Um, how long ago did it happen? What were the circumstances around that? Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Sure. Uh, I was converted at the age of 14. I um, had only recently, when I say recently, over the past, uh, the previous uh, eight months or so, been at a church. I did not grow up in a Christian home. Uh, so didn't grow up going to church, reading the Bible, uh, praying. Uh, and uh, when i was 14 years old uh, uh, someone from my high school witnessed to me invited me to go to church and began to attend um, a southern baptist church in upstate new york in a little town called Ballston lake and uh, it was there that i came to christ and um, it became obvious that i had a a desire to share the gospel with others I had a real desire to to know the word and to grow um, as we're all commanded to do in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. And I think as is often the case in, in, in those kinds of circles that when someone is actually just genuinely converted and begins to express a hunger for the word and a love for souls and a zeal for the glory of God, that that's often just interpreted as why you must want to be in the ministry. And I knew that I wanted to share Christ with others, uh, and I didn't, know, I didn't know anything really beyond that. But uh, my pastor and some others began to suggest that that might be something that uh, I would want to consider. And way back in 1979, I, I preached my first sermon when I was 16 years old. Mm. They had uh, what they called a Youth Sunday. I preached from Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. Um, and was that sermon recorded?
0: Like, do we have you know, documentation I, I, of it? I
1: looked, I looked for it recently. It, it probably was, but it, I think it's been lost to the ages. It's kind of like uh, the letter to the Laodiceans. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, so, I, I want to hear it, but I, I guess I can't go look for yeah, it. So, never mind.
1: I, I did find the notes, though. I did find I had uh, I, I did find the notes at my mother's house. Um, but anyway as a result of that uh, it it led to some other opportunities uh, to teach and to preach and uh, I I got fairly heavily involved even as a very young man in in kind of youth ministries doing youth conferences uh, speaking at uh, Christian camps sharing my testimony and uh, and just trying to relate to others uh, what I hoped would be a zeal and love for Christ now that getting back to pastoral ministry, I I began to realize that I wanted to teach and that I wanted to preach. I had in my mind originally perhaps being an itinerant evangelist. Hmm. And uh, honestly, part of that I think was a degree both of spiritual uh, perplexity and perhaps some degree of laziness because I I could not imagine uh, preaching 50 to 100 times a year or 150 times a year and coming up with that many different sermons, in particular, if you're going to preach at the same place for 20, 30, 40, 50 years,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and have thousands of, uh, of sermons and trying to come up with thousands of outlines, thousands of introductions, thousands of conclusions and applications. That seemed overwhelming to me. Uh, and now, but now having been preaching here for 27 years, I think to myself, well, I may only have 20 more years to preach, and how am I going to, I going to even possibly begin to say all the things or bring out all the things mm-hmm. from God's Word that I would like to? And you begin to realize there are unsearchable riches in Christ and that you will never, ever uh, fully exhaust anything you bring from God's Word. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that didn't become nearly as daunting or overwhelming once I began to more fully consider pastoral ministry. And Brian, it wasn't until I began to study more and and understand God's plan for the local church and the beauty and the glory and uniqueness of the church in God's redemptive plan, in God's plan for the ages and in Christ's plan in evangelizing the world, uh, that the pastoral ministry became much, much more uh, attractive. And I began to see uh, how much God's word deals with the local church and then with uh, local church-based ministry rather than parachurch or mm-hmm. uh, some evangelistic association or, or anything like that. So th- those things coincided. Uh, a deeper understanding of the word, a love for the local church, and then a desire for pastoral ministry. Now, you
0: pastor in Louisville, so clearly you went to Southern Seminary. I mean, we just assume that, right?
1: Yeah, you might assume that, but I, I, I didn't go to Southern Seminary. Um, Southern Seminary at that time, uh, it was BA. It was uh, several years BA before Al, Yeah. Uh, before Al Moeller, In fact, I began my ministry in four BA. And uh, <laughs> not many guys can say that in Lula. This is true. Um, I, uh, uh, upon graduation from high school in New York, I began to attend Columbia Bible College in Columbia, South Carolina, which is now called Columbia International University. Hmm. And since they changed the name of the college, I changed my degree from a bachelor's to a doctorate. So I, I don't you know. You should I have the right that. to do that. I, should, if, I, I mean... thought, well, they did that. I could do that too. <laughs> um, but Columbia, now called Columbia International University. And upon graduation from uh, CIU or CBC in 1986, I began to attend a, a small church-based seminary uh, called the Trinity Ministerial Academy uh, out of Trinity Baptist Church in Montville, New Jersey, and I was there from 1986 to 1990, uh, and from there came to Louisville.
0: Hmm. So, and we're going to get to another top, another podcast with pastoral mentoring and thinking through some of the mentors you had. That should be an interesting conversation. That's about another day.
1: Yes, and I think Brian has told me numerous times. Uh, that the prime benefit I have brought to his life is introducing him to some of the older men in my life who who had an impact upon me, and mm-hmm. one of those older men was Austin Walker, with whom you authored a book mm-hmm. and uh and also right. then began a very good relationship with his son jeremy so that's right you know, Brian has just used me as a gateway to to older men
0: and and you know I like hanging out with you too that's a that's oh, a that's, plus well, too that's but kind. but that's that's true that i some of the the dearest saints, older pastors that I know, I, I met from Jim. We're going to talk about that on a separate podcast because I think it's so significant uh, that that topic, and uh, especially some of the people that have poured into Jim's life and why he's able to bring the insight that he does. So, you planted a church in Louisville. What, what led you to come here and plant a church in Louisville? Again, r- realizing this is pre-Almoler Southern Seminary, yeah. This- so there was there was very few strong churches in Louisville at that time.
1: Yeah, there were very few gospel preaching churches. There were very few churches that uh, uh, had expository preaching, that had a high view of God. Uh, yeah, so it's a very, very different place than it is now. And that would be an interesting discussion to talk about the ecclesiastical changes, the landscape changing hmm. in Louisville from uh, 1990 through now to, to 2017. Hmm. Um, Brian, I, I came to Louisville at uh, at the request of a, a, a what I call a mother church that was aiding in a church plant in Louisville. Uh, there were some folks in Louisville that had uh, become acquainted with um, old, confessional, reformed Christianity. Uh, some folks that had uh, desired to see a, uh, a church that held in in, in substance, and in doctrine, and in practice to, to some of the things they would read about and things like the 1689 London Baptist Confession, the kinds of things summarized in the abstract of principles. Some will be more familiar with the abstract, from mm-hmm. which is the confessional statement from Southern Seminary. And so when I was finishing up my last year at the Academy, um, I had at that time been uh, perhaps planning on moving to England uh, to pastor a church there, uh, but I wasn't going to do that immediately upon graduation, and so I was free. I, I had the summer potentially free, and so uh, I was asked just to come here for three months and help the few folks or ten folks that were committed to seeing um, a church like that planted uh, in Louisville. And so my goal was to, or was to come and just give them a consistent ministry for a three-month period of time. I was then going to move back to my home church in upstate New York and spend about a year there and then potentially move to England and, and pastor south of London. Hmm. But the Lord had other plans. Hmm. Uh, in coming here, uh, my heart became attached to the ten folk, and uh, their hearts became attached to me, and they asked if, if we would consider staying Uh, with the goal of seeing the church constituted and then uh, becoming um, eventually, hopefully, a full-time
0: pastor in the church. Hmm. And here you are, 27 years later. Yes,
1: we we constituted in September of 1991, Uh, so just recently celebrated the 25th anniversary of our constituting, and the 25th anniversary of my Uh, becoming the pastor here, but been here 20, coming on 27 years, 27 years, February, I will have preached my first sermon in Louisville. Hmm. And, um, anyway, the Lord's been very good and faithful and has blessed these, these
0: efforts. Sure. Would you summarize? What is your understanding of the work of a pastor? What is a pastor's calling and role in a local church? Well,
1: um, I just uh, thought about this recently because um, just Monday night, one of the sheep here uh, went to be with the Lord, uh, and I was reminded of something a, a pastoral mentor said to me, and that is that, that the job of a, of a local shepherd is to get his sheep to the chief shepherd in the best shape possible, hmm. to bring his people to heaven in the best shape possible. And so uh, my job is to not only take heed to myself and to my doctrine, but to take heed to the flock, to do the work of an evangelist. Uh, But in taking heed to the flock, that means uh, bringing the word to them publicly and privately. It means loving them and and serving them, uh, feeding them, watching over their souls as those who must give an account. Uh, And so I I see those as being the, the primary... Uh, aspects of of my life and so my my goal has ever and always been to try to understand what are the chief things the word of god says again is that we watch over their souls as those who will give an account with a knowledge that one day we're going to stand before the chief shepherd and i want to ensure that i understand exegetically from his word those things upon his heart so that i'm i know what i'm going to give an account for and live my life, and have my priorities be shaped by revelation and not by my own thoughts or the thoughts of good men, but rather this is what God has said, and therefore that's my task and my God-given role.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and I think for those listening and unfamiliar with maybe some of the passages that are connected to what Jim's talking about in the work of a pastor, you're, you're looking at Acts 20, verse 28. Right. 1 uh, f- Peter 5. 1 Peter 5, First Timothy Three, a lot of first, even several things in First and Second Timothy. So, right. Titus uh, one. all all the things that Jim just shared is is paraphrasing how much of the New Testament describes this work of a pastor. So, if you're listening to this, just know that script the New Testament is very clear about this role and what it entails. Even though um, much of modern evangelicalism has confused what the work of a pastor is.
1: Right, and a lot of men are very happy to tell you these are my thoughts. And I'm, I'm I'm I certainly have my own thoughts or my own way in which things have been fleshed out, mm-hmm. and much of that is take it or leave it. I mean, as much as it is a "Thus saith Jim" or a "Thus saith Brian," mm-hmm. uh, we're suggesting sometimes practical ways of, of of applying it. But men in ministry need to have their hearts and their consciences bound to Revelation, mm-hmm. and when we have a "Thus saith the Lord." we have to fulfill that and and Mm. we have to strive by the power of the spirit of God dwelling in us, recognizing that we will sin and that we will fall short of that. But we want to hear the well done, good and faithful servant and, and faithfulness is living in accordance with what God has revealed.
0: Sure. And now would you, would you share one joy and maybe one challenge or difficulty about being a pastor in your 27 years of pastoral ministry, and I know there's tons of those, but you pick one in particular that is a particular joy for you that you found throughout your ministry, and one difficulty or one challenge.
1: Well, one thing maybe that comes to mind right now, and it's just because one of the former members brought it up. They 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 sent a picture of me holding the baby. It was her niece. A picture of me holding her niece, and I used to hold that baby's mother long ago. And so, one of the joys of pastoral ministry when you stay in the same place a long time mm-hmm. is seeing a second generation, seeing babies that I held, and through my ministry, through God blessing that ministry, were brought to faith in Christ to see them now beginning to establish Christian homes Mm. and having their own children. And you don't get to see that when you stay at a place for a year or two. Or even 10 or 10. Yeah. Um, But that's a, that's one of the great joys of, of ministry. But with that comes one of the challenges of ministry. And you are dealing with the same people week in, week out, year in, year out who, Though in some ways are growing in grace and other ways are still struggling and sometimes struggling in the same ways they were 25, 26 years ago. Hmm. And you can be frustrated with them and, and sometimes you can be frustrated with yourself and you think, does the ministry not really accomplish anything? <clears throat> Is my ministry not sanctifying and you can take that personally, and it, it can wound your pride in a way that it, it ought not. And, and you can take it as a referendum on yourself and on your ministry that they're not doing better as a result, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of a thing. But you have to be careful not to be resentful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, one of the exhortations that's given to pastors is not only to take heed to yourself, which is a challenge as over the years, but to take heed to the flock and to it's the flock that God has given to you. That That's the flock. Peter says, shepherd the flock that's among you. So it's not the ideal flock. It's not somebody else's flock. It's your mm, flock. It's yours. That God has sovereignly brought together, that little band of disciples that the Lord has brought into your life and that they've been given a heart for your church and you've been given a heart uh, for them. But to shepherd that same group year in, year out with all of their idiosyncrasies and the You know, too often, I think, when pastors get together, we, we can talk about our difficult members. It's easy for us to roll our eyes in elders' meetings, sigh heavily, here we go again. And we need to be careful with that, that mm. um, these are people that are precious to Christ. He shed his blood for them. He's patient with them just as he is with us. Mm. And so one of the challenges, I think, in ministry is patience over the long haul mm. uh, with those who aren't growing at the rate you think, but we think they ought to be growing at.
0: Yeah, I found myself saying more and more that you hit a certain point in your ministry if you stay long enough that you can no longer blame the previous pastor for your problems. Uh, you have to own them, whatever they are, whatever, you know. You can't blame the previous pastor for right. the condition you of your like people a, at that right, point.
1: The, the politician, with uh our new president no doubt will do just as our previous president did it's, it's not my fault and i guess everybody else does that right?
0: yeah and i guess we try to ride that out as long as possible and when you're the
1: founding pastor it's even harder I, i'm it sure was his fault yeah i mean i can <laughs> it was that idiot's fault he was 26 27 years old and didn't know what he was doing that's right <laughs> and picking up the pieces after all these years of my former self
0: i want to ask a final question about just your family and what have how has your family handled ministry all these years? So your kids were little, not even born not yet. Not even born yet. When you were so when you really came. little, really little. I mean, really <laughs> <They were> pre little. <laughs> so what 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 has that been like for them growing up in the church? Just can you kind of give some general thoughts on how your kids have done? I mean, I know your kids; they're they're amazing kids. Uh, the Lord's at work in their life. It's it's yeah. sweet to see you guys as a family. You know, but what are the things that you have, have watched them go through, the unique challenges and the things they've even enjoyed being a part of the church?
1: Yeah, I'm very thankful. <clears throat> I've been spared, so I might not be the best guy to talk to in this, and, and I'm going to sound, um, oh, Pollyanna-ish maybe. But I'll tell you several things I'm very thankful for. <clears throat> and and I'm going to try to say what what I did, what I tried to do, maybe what, what you can try to replicate. And one of the things is that our our fellowship was small enough early on that I try to make it known right from the start my wife does not hold an office in this church mm-hmm. and that her role or her job is as the wife of Jim Sebastio, not unofficial church role pastor's wife. Mm. And that my kids, I recognize to some degree, are going to be in the fishbowl and, and all of that. But I, I try to shield them from that. I never try to never put any pressure on them. Your pastor's kids, you have to behave a certain way. At the same time, of course, you know, th- there is a fairly high standard for a pastor as a, particularly as a father, as a husband and as a father, it's laid out and, that, and that's clear. So you, you recognize there are things that you're called to and challenges that you're called to. But by the grace of God, I, I, you, you strive to make both our faith the faith and your own local church life delightful uh, and so one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm so blessed with is that a love for the local church is woven into the DNA, the spiritual DNA of my kids they love, they love coming to church they love the people of God here they get very frustrated when somebody doesn't love the church as much as they do. They, they don't understand it. They don't understand Christians who don't want to come to prayer meetings. They don't understand Christians who uh, don't want to be in God's house as much as they do. You know, And again, they, they have to be you know, watch for pride in that. But we, we sought to, to make the Lord's Day a joy, uh, that coming to house. I was glad when they said to me, you know, let's go to the house of the Lord. And so in our, our conversations around the home, I try not to pour out, you know, the well, this and that's going wrong and Christians are hypocrites and, you know, all of that kind of stuff, which kids are going to pick up on. Yeah, You fill your house with God's people. Um, they come over in the afternoon. They come over Sunday nights or at other times. They had the as a pastor, we got exposed to having a lot of other godly men, and often their wives come into our home. uh, Men that men to teach and to preach. Hmm. I was so thankful a year or so ago at Thanksgiving, as we were going around the table talking about things we're thankful for. My son, I have three daughters and, and and one son. My son said that his favorite memory of the year was a week in which we had two pastors in their 70s two Englishmen uh spent a week at our home and he got to sit around and just listen to them talk <laughs> and share stories of God's grace how old was he uh, he was at the time 13 okay and uh he said that was the highlight of the year for him hmm. and i just i'm i'm so thankful for that i'm I'm thankful that he not only got to experience that <clears throat> excuse me but that he delighted in that, mm. and, and so uh, that's been one of the, it, it, you just, one of the great blessings and privileges being a, a pastor. Not everybody gets to do that, uh, you know, so I'm selfish when we get a a man like that comes and preaches here. Everybody, you know, a lot of people love to have them in their home and get to spend that much time, but I pull rank, and I'm
0: jokingly, but well, I, I get to And then that. I jump on the bandwagon. You're going to
1: jump on the bandwagon. I have you over. You Who's get, coming you, to town, Jim? <laughs> can I have him or over? Have him can over, I have him one night? And they preach for you, too, so... <laughs> Uh, anyway, i've I've not had I've not had the experience of rebellious kids that some do. That's by the grace of God. I I, I have no part in their conversion. Um, I, I I believe in sovereign grace. Um, but my four children they range in age now from twenty five down to almost sixteen. Mm. They're all members of the church. They all serve. Um. and again you look back and say what did I do obviously God has to bless those things I sought to portray before them that the Christian life is, is a life of great privilege and great joy that it's an awesome privilege to serve the Lord it's a beautiful thing to be able to preach the grace of God you, you you seek to demonstrate the reality of, of our faith, which means that we sin. You ask forgiveness of your kids. There's no perfection. Uh, they they see you for who you are. Um, but I have sought to walk uh, joyfully before them uh, as somebody who, who revels in the grace of God, mm-hmm. who proclaims that grace, and, and, and you strive to live, live that out. So they see you loving other people, being patient with other people, and then hopefully... They'll love and be patient with other. Learn to be patient with other people too. Mm. Their view is: of course, you open your home. Of course, you serve other people. Of course, you give of yourself. What, what else do you do? Because that's what they've mm-hmm. grown up. So you need to have a, a mama, and in my case, a wife <clears throat> who has a great big open heart mm. and uh, who pours herself into them. So there's, I I could go on and on with that. But that that's been one of the great blessings of mm-hmm. of the Christian life and ministry. Mm of having such a supportive family
0: behind me. Yeah, that's great. Well, I want to, uh, we're going to continue the conversation in in future podcasts with Jim on a lot of different topics, but I wanted to use this time as a way to just uh, expose you to Jim a little bit more, let you know about who he is and what his passions are and why he does what he does. And and so uh, Jim and I are going to be doing quite a few more podcasts in the future discussing different topics. In fact, if you have a topic you want us to tackle uh, just contact us through the website, and we're glad to to take those and try to try to tackle them with you. So, but we're going to wrap this particular podcast up. Jim, would you pray for the pastors in particular listening to this? Those who are in different places in their ministry, uh, you know the struggles, you know the joys of both family life and as well as uh, ministry life. We just pray for them that God will give them grace and strength through it all. Our
1: Father in heaven, we do pray that those of your servants who are listening to this who right now might be discouraged and discouraged with their flock and discouraged with their own hearts and discouraged perhaps even in their own families we pray father that you would not allow anything said here to be uh, a source of grief or heaviness but, Father, perhaps to be a a source of encouragement and of hope. Our Father, we thank you for the power of your grace. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the clarity of your word. We thank you for the present ministry of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for an interceding Savior. We thank you, Father, for the great promises of what you will yet do in this world And Father, we pray that all the men who aspire to ministry or who are in ministry uh, might afresh revel in the grace of God that equips them to be able to have such a high and holy calling. Father, we do pray uh, that you would enlarge their hearts, bring uh, help and hope where they are weary. And we ask these things in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to Trench Talk. We'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you might have for us. So to get in touch with us, you can email us at brian at practicalshepherding.com, or you can contact us through Facebook or Twitter. You can find out more about Practical Shepherding at our website. And at the website, you can find our blog, and you can also find information about articles and books that we've published You can also find out information about our regional workshops where we engage pastors face-to-face to equip them for the trench work of ministry. So, Until next time, may the God of peace, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you as you labor in the trenches of pastoral ministry.